Welcome to Diversify the Stand. Together we build a community to listen and learn from the stories and experiences of passionate musicians. I'm Carrie Blosser. And I'm Ashley Killam. In our second season, we talk with musicians, performers, educators, historians, and entrepreneurs to expand how we think of the music we perform and follow non-traditional career paths. Episode 8 features another commissioned composer and professor, Dr. Hei Kyung Lee. Dr. Lee is an associate professor of music at Denison University in Ohio. Her compositions range in a variety of styles and mediums, with everything from toy piano to full concertos, electronic music, to children's choirs and large ensembles. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for inviting me, having me. So we wanted to kind of get started with asking you how you got started in music, what your first instruments were, and Mm -hmm. um, how you started composing? So it has to do with my growing up in um, South Korea. My parents are very artistic people. I think I think especially my father wanted to be an artist, some sort of artist, but of course they were born during the Japanese colonialism, which was happened 1910 through 1945, I think. And then right after that, of course, the Korean War um, happened uh, right after. And, and because the country was divided, both of my parents were born in North Korea, but they had to come south. They had to abandon everything. So they, they cannot really do, they couldn't do whatever they wanted to do. So they just had to, you know, survive. So <laughs> I think that's why, that's why they wanted us to be in fine arts. And my sister, who is one year older than me, started piano lesson first and then my parents recognized me. I was more interested in, I was learning faster over my sister's shoulder. So they quit my sister. <laughs> so I did, I did the, the, uh, the music and my sister uh, was doing uh, art. So that's how I started. <laughs> and, and of course, um, the, the learning music or any sort of fine arts take money, right? So, but my parents really, really sacrificed themselves to, for me to be in music, you know, early on. So I really hated, uh, but then now I'm really uh, thankful to them so that, um, you know, <laughs> because I'm, not, I'm really loving it right now and, you know, doing music and, you know, that's my job. It's, it's just great, you know, crazy, awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's how I started. and. Uh, yeah, and um, of course the Asian parents, they all make their childrens you know, do something, like play something, right? So they're very um, forceful parents, you know, that was one of the reasons. I, you know, I had many opportunities to quit, but um, they didn't allow me to do that, so <laughs> I just kept on it. <laughs> so it was my piano, first my instrument, yeah. And we were wondering what, with being from South Korea, and and now you're in the States. What has your experience been like overall just with music in South Korea versus mm-hmm. your experience of music in the United States? So again, um, it, it related to my growing up. So they, they, uh, they pushed me to go to special school, which is great school. It was, uh, it's kind of performing art um, school, very focused on, on arts. 
um, but it was um, very privileged school. So all of the students are from really wealthy family and it was in Seoul. So I had to commute like um, back then we didn't have, we didn't have even highway. So I had to basically go to bus station and then take the bus to the go to train station and then after train then walk like another half an hour to go to junior high school so the commuting hour is like five six hours a day i don't know how i survived it but anyway um so i was doing the piano and it was just a lot of i don't know really how i did it because without sleeping or didn't have time to study but i managed to six years of junior high and high school and then the at the end of the last year of high school the going to the music uh, program in like my my father went to seoul national university and that's like to him that's the only school that i i have to go <laughs> but back then the there are a lot of exams and ridiculously hard so uh the first first time i failed and that was it, like, I really didn't want to do music. So I was like, there's a period that I was doing nothing and just quit everything. And uh, just like a really rebellion, rebellious student for uh, <laughs> the whole year. <laughs> but then when you realize that I don't know anything else, <laughs> you know, that was my, you know, all I could do was music and playing piano. And I really didn't. Um, enjoy practicing because I think that's the that's the difference between education uh, in the states and the South Korea because I really they, they really didn't teach me how to how to listen so all I was doing was the finger practice right so just going you know going you know flying fingers practice and and uh, that you get really tired of it so I quit and but then I couldn't quit music so I change it to a composition because a composer sounds really cool so <laughs> like so that's how i studied the composition really not inspiring story but then i did the undergraduate in composition and i came to the united states and then um i noticed that uh, my uh, piano st uh, studio at the university of texas austin so i started the re-practice piano and i really enjoyed it back then because the way she was teaching was just uh, basically about making music, right? So how you listen to, you know, how you listen to what you're playing and each note has to be different sound and how you make those, you know, notes, same notes, different sound, that kind of education that I didn't really know before. So that, so then I really enjoyed it. And so I, I just kept going and I had a degree in piano also. And still I'm really, uh, enjoy playing, although my arthritis is getting into it. So like, <laughs> I'm doing less and less each, each year. <laughs> um, so that was a big difference. And another difference in competition is also because Korea is very different now. We are like in economically now really growing. And also the education is different. Now they teach uh, traditional music early on. But when I was there, we were just if you study in Western music, you're, you're superior. You're superior than the, the students who, who are learning um, traditional music because it was just, you know, the, you, you don't go to like a top musical music school and then you go to the rest, <laughs> you go to those, like, like the Korean traditional conservatory of, of the 
the, the major was treated as a secondary, right? So if you don't go to the Western music school, then you go to the, that was really um, just bad lack of education, I think. But these days, of course, everything changes. Um, they learn uh, early on when you're in junior high or high school, you, yeah, they, they make you learn traditional instruments and music. So it's, it's very, very different. It's a lot of changes. <laughs> it's really interesting to, to learn the diff just to hear about your background. And I, I honestly, I love hearing that you took a year to be rebellious and not do music. <laughs> Cause I think so many people are, are in that track of like, have to, I must finish, have to finish. So yeah. I think that's, that's a really important point and still very valid today for students that might just like need a little bit of time and then to like kind of refocus and like kind of fall back in love with music, if that makes sense. Yeah, you appreciate it differently. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of, of music, uh, I'd love to talk about the music that you write and if there's any different specific styles or other kind of music that has influenced you um, as a composer. Yeah. Unlike here, uh, composers here, they grew up listening a lot of different composers and they really study scores and, you know, but because I was in piano major and basically I was just imitating because I didn't realize what I want to make, what kind of sound I want. So I just, you know, basically very, uh, to a dimensional level, right? Louder, softer, or in between. And, and same thing with the composition. I just, I was listening a lot of pop music, but not seriously classical music. And in a composition, they were really into this um, uh, European style of avant-garde music, and I really hated it. So I didn't really listen a lot of music. <laughs> so you, I guess it, that's good in bad, that's good or bad, because I really, nobody influenced me. <laughs> Because I didn't listen to anything, but then I I lack of a lot of uh, depth in I think uh, composition here in United States. I of course the, going through the graduate school, you have to listen, you know, classes, and you have to go through a lot of music. And then I uh, really uh, began to like um, be composers, <laughs> like Bach, love love him such a pioneer same thing with the Beethoven such a pioneer and Bartok so those three are my favorite composer and just <laughs> ultimately <laughs> my ultimate composers <laughs> that admire and just love their um yeah innovative innovation and kind of uh, aspects of it <laughs> yeah and then of course the minimalism um definitely influenced me uh, because it's basically tonal music and then when everybody else was doing crazy to music and minimalism was just such a fresh breath <laughs> of hearing pleasantness right so I think those were combined into my music <laughs> I love that you mention you know the pop stuff getting you started <laughs> because when I like when I got into grad school I didn't really, like, I listened to, you know, some trumpet stuff that I was working on. I had my favorite recordings, but all through masters too, like I had to do so much listening for classes, but I felt like a terrible musician saying I didn't listen to this stuff outside. I couldn't sit there and, <laughs> you know, compare orchestral recordings of two different orchestras. I didn't do that for fun. 
And so many people feel bad and feel guilty that they don't constantly listen to classical music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still, there's so much to gain from pop music and from all of these other styles and bringing that into your writing and your performance. There's, it's, it's important to do that too. Especially these days though, with the internet, I think everything is just so uh, combined. And it's like, especially like we didn't know lots of individual um, ethnomusic, but now it's so accessible and di appreciated differently and yeah, uh, different different timing now. So I, I think that's a good thing that we have to just combine everything. So um, so this is um, this is the vocal piece. I wrote this uh, choir piece uh, because it's based on only five syllables. And then those syllables are from Korean folk tune, the refrain of very famous um, folk tune. Anyway, so this is the uh, a cappella piece with one percussion.
looking through all of the works that you've written, you've done everything, <laughs> large ensembles, small ensembles, solo instruments, uh, film scores. What got you interested in writing this variety? It just turned out that way, not intentionally, but um, when I got this uh, job at Denison, I mean, I didn't, I didn't learn much electronic music when my uh, I, when I was studying at uh, graduate school, because it was a, I had to do analog stuff, and whenever I go into the studio, I just develop some allergy. Like I cannot stand <laughs> being there. Like just cannot sit still and work. It just tapes, you know, slicing and just reel to reel tape and all that. And plus, uh, I don't think I had a good, um, it was a T what TA was teaching and he was just so like a genius type that he doesn't go through like a step by step, by step the basics. So he's just expect everybody just doing great work and I just didn't work. So but I um, I didn't compose electronic music, but I was uh, hanging in there and I was doing, I was going to their seminar. I just listened a lot of electronic music. So luckily then at Denison, my job was somehow was half teaching, half acoustic and half electronic music. And I had to learn uh, electronic part. And the best way to do is just do it, right? So without, without knowing much, um, technical stuff also without knowing much um electronic music i just had to do it and that's the that's the time i think i produce most electronic music and when you do that of course you're surrounded by because we have this lab that everybody teaches there and students works there so um yeah so naturally collaboration happens and i have great colleagues who's who's really great visual stuff and you know dance colleagues so it just happened naturally and and because I was suppo supposed to be an electronic music at school <laughs> everybody comes to me <laughs> so yeah so they they come to me you know offer do you want to do this and yes of course <laughs> so yeah everything happens during those times and I loved it I loved it yeah. and I, it, that helped me teaching um, electronic music really well because I've from the beginner's point, I don't know what this, they will struggle. So it was, I think, a good experience. Um, and I, I think that's why I, my TA didn't teach me well. I mean, my kind of students, of course, everybody else follows well, but I was like so, so slow at understanding the languages and, you know, techniques and all that. But um, actually teaching, I think it helped me a lot because I was so slow and I was doing like a really slow and step-by-step step and everything has to write it down and they, so that they can always go back to, you know, something they can go back to, to review. <laughs> but uh, of course I had open-minded and because I love pops and I love K-pop, so <laughs> I love, <laughs> all kinds of music. So that helps me, you know, it's just more fun. It's just more fun to work with other people. <laughs> so in play in, in uh, writing for all of those different groups with different influences, mm -hmm. do you have a favorite either instrument or ensemble that you have written for or that you hope to write for one day? I love brass because brass is just like, it's just so satisfying to me. Like, mm. <laughs> yeah. So I love brass, but of course, string is the string is the you know 
soulful sound and because it you know composers don't have to worry about the breathing right so it's uh, also big advantage but string orchestra is probably the yeah ultimate my favorite medium you know strings and vibrations <laughs> especially low strings but um yeah i'm i know whatever i'm not haven't done i would love to do it yeah you know coming from someone who had i mean had the background you had took some time off came back never gave up in composing and in your musical career, mm. do you have any advice for anyone wanting to get into composing? I mean, at our school, every every uh, music majors, no matter what your your instrument or you know voice, had to take two semester book composition seminar, and I think that's really great because they will discover the composing part and they might hate it but they might enjoy it and they might find out that, oh i'm talented on this you know so my advice for um just anybody uh who loves music is that um a lot of people think that they're afraid because they think that they don't know theory they think that you have to know the theory well to compose but that's not the case especially these days like when software is so easy and you know so great like you can do so much so much more with the softwares right so i think um just whenever you can hum or just you know doodle on instrument i think that's a great way to compose just record yourself and then uh, just record bunch like uh whatever like it, it can be your your humming or your just improvising some i mean improvisation is a fancy word but just you know <laughs> it's like putting notes on instrument or just any anything the recording nature or whatever but just to have a lot of those as your library and then when you feel like it, you go back to listen to it and then you will probably get inspiration oh i like this one and then you can hum again with whatever you recorded yourself you know that kind of stuff so basically i think th these days um i mean a garage band you know is a great tool uh, it comes with a computer i think that's a really easy way to start composing rather than like oh yeah the one chord goes to four and then five to one cadence right there <laughs> so yeah that's what i'm encouraging students to just just record yourself <laughs> whatever you're doing yeah i think especially over the last 12 months plus i think a lot of people have learned many things on GarageBand and using some yeah. digi digital audio workstations and yeah, yeah, we yeah. know what a daw means or d you know mm -hmm. and people who have who have been experimenting in compositions like you're saying from your university i think we're already at an advantage when we kind of moved to this new world that we're in currently mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's a valuable tool and I think musicians have learned to value it more, especially recently. So that's mm -hmm. great that your students are already doing that and you're working with them, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Everything is, I think, you have to trust your ear, either playing or composing. My piano teacher always, always says that if you can hear it, your finger will follow it to make that sound. Um, I think that's so true. Same thing with the composition, I think. If you're, you're, 
Your ear says this is good, and I think you have to go with it. Do you have any exciting projects that you're working on that are going to be released over the next few months or year? Uh, well, actually, yeah. So we have this um, ensemble in residence, and one of them, one of the, so we have the FL and Third Coast Percussion is our resident ensembles, and they're great. But Ethel um, has the series called uh, Metropolitan Museum Balcony Bar series, and they used to they used to do that at the the bar, the balcony bar at the museum. But during the COVID time, they just do it virtually, and I think they're featuring me next Friday, five o'clock. <laughs> So that's that's something exciting. I think uh, I send them some videos, and they're gonna edit it and then air it. But um, right now, I got a commission from uh, Ohio Music Teachers Association. So I'm writing a piano and alto saxophone uh, piece, which is gonna be premiered in uh, the conference in October. And I'm writing me and. Um, saxophone player uh, Shelly Jago, who teaches at the Wright State University. Um, so we had a uh, long, she commissioned me a couple of pieces uh, for OMEA. And so uh, now I feel like, oh, I look <laughs> right for you <laughs> to thank uh, all those commissions she, she gave me. So, so that's exciting. I'm really excited because, um, yeah, saxophone can do a lot of things and can be really show up piece. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I'm almost a little jealous of like saxophones and French horns because I think like the ranges and the colors and like the the different kinds of sounds both of those instruments can get is very is much more varied than maybe the trumpet. <laughs> um, all right, we're at the very last question. So we ask everyone this: What is on your music stand this week? And how are you diversifying your stand? Students, of course. Um, I'm always uh, listening to what they have to say. And um, I'm usually teaching the computer music like a really beginning level. But I love that class because they are not musicians. They are all non-musicians. And I think that's why they bring so many interesting point of view. I can say that I'm very, very open-minded uh, about different kind of music, especially trying to get connected to younger generation. That's, I think that's super. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. It was so good to, to get to meet you and hang out with you for a yeah, little bit. Yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for listening to Diversify the Stand. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. If you'd like to support us and our projects, find us on social media and visit our website. We now have a store where you can pick up some Diversify the Stand gear. And as always, a huge thank you to Trevor Weston and Whitney George for allowing us to use their compositions in our podcast. The musical introduction is Trevor's trumpet duet, Fanfare for Changes, and the ending music is Whitney's Incantations for Trumpet and Piano. Both composers' websites are listed in the podcast description. Until next week, what's on your stand? <laughs>